Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. You can see if you've been around Mountain Park for any amount of time, you know that we were moving our way through the book of Colossians earlier this year. And in about, I guess it was about February-ish, Alex and Andrew were both working in this topic, and it's, it's a wonderful book, the book of Colossians. And we moved through chapter one and chapter two. It's all about the supremacy of Christ, and they got to preach all these great things, and I wasn't really a part of that at all. And they worked through chapter one, chapter two, and part of chapter three, and they ended off right at chapter three, right around verse 17. Now, I know what Colossians 3.18 says. And for those of you who don't, there's no cheating, don't look. I don't wanna see any pages wrestling right now. If you don't know, you don't know, that's okay. I knew what it said. So I've been waiting for a couple of months for these guys to say, let's go back into the book of Colossians because I knew what was coming. Colossians 3.18 says, wives submit. And so when the, when the idea came up that maybe we would jump back into the book of Colossians, they said, Brenda, why don't you do it? I was like, thanks guys, I know what's coming next, right? So I have, I have the honor and privilege today actually to jump into this topic on wives submitting. And I know, I know, women cringe when they hear this because this word submission has been used to oppress women for far too long in the church and in marriage. And sometimes we're a little bit afraid of this. But what I wanna reveal today, that I hope God will reveal today, is that godly submission comes from a heart of love. And when we are submitted to our husbands in love, this is a beautiful thing for our marriages, but it isn't just reserved for marriage. In fact, we see the principles of submission and authority in every arena of life. And when Paul jumps into this topic, he isn't just addressing wives. He goes on to address husbands and children and families and workers and slaves who would work for a master. He's addressing all arenas of life in this idea of submission. And so we're gonna read a few of these scriptures just to start off off the top. And I wanna say this, that both Peter and Paul wrote about this topic of godly relationships. And so we're gonna jump back and forth between a few different portions of scripture. This one is in Colossians, we're gonna read in a sec, and we're also gonna read, if you wanna put your finger in your Bible there, Ephesians chapter five. So if I were to preach this message today, and you invited me to come back a year from now and preach it again, the heart of the message would be the same, but I might say it in a slightly different way. And so in Ephesians 5, Paul is also talking about this topic, but he says it in just a slightly different way. So we're gonna compare the two things. Is that good? You all with me? And then when Peter addresses it in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're gonna look at a couple of things that he said as well, because they're all interesting things on this topic of authority and submission. So first, let's read Colossians 3, starting in verse 18. It says, wives submit to your husbands. And I wanna stop right there for one sec. 
Because it doesn't say all women submit to all men. It says wives submit to your own husband. Misused in the church. Just, I'm just going to move on from that. As fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. I'm going to stop again for a sec. Because I want to push back on this idea that we've heard these two words, wives submit, over and over and over in the church, but how often are they coupled together with the words, husbands love? Not often. And I've heard messages and I've heard people preach and put women down because they're supposed to submit. But very rarely have we heard messages admonishing husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And can I tell you something? If you met a man who loved you like Christ loved the church, there is no woman on the face of the earth that wouldn't want to submit herself to that kind of love. A love that laid itself down, a love that put its own will aside for the sake of the, the better, for the sake of the good, for his church, his bride. If there was a man who would love his wife like that, who would cherish her, who would want her to thrive and flourish in her gifts, who would bestow blessing upon her and give her favor and honor, who wouldn't want to submit themselves to that? But the reason that we, we are hesitant to submit is because we're broken, wounded people who end up breaking and hurting each other. And we can't understand this in the way that God intended it. Let me go on. He says, children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Now I'm going to submit to you that I believe that this admonition to all these different areas of life all apply to marriage and they all apply to other arenas of life. So what he's saying about slaves and masters applies in the marriage relationship too. I can't submit to you unless I'm first submitted to the Lord and I'm living out my life as though his opinion matters the most of anything. When I, when I submit to my husband, it's because I love the Lord. And I want to be obedient to what he wants me to do. That's the only way I can do it. Let's skip to Ephesians 5. Don't be so quiet on me this morning because I need your help this morning to preach a little bit, okay? Give me a smile, something, let me know you're there. So Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 21. And again, this is just another kind of version of what we've already read. But it starts out like this. Further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave his life up for her. So the proper context here is godly relationships of all kinds. And the very first thing that he says in this is we need to submit to one another. And what that looks like for women is that they submit to the leadership of their husband in the home because that's how God has arranged things. And for men to live out that idea of submitting to one another is for them to love their wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down 
for her. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so we're all called to live out submission. We're all called to surrender ourselves and live out a life that's submitted to other people. Now, I think we, we, we often misunderstand what submission means. And I want to, oh, I want to submit this to you today. That if a godly marriage is intended to show and reveal Christ to the world and to glorify the Father, isn't the enemy going to attack what is meant to be? If it's going to bring glory to God, he's going to attack that. And so he has attacked the idea of submission and godly leadership together as men and women from the beginning of time. And it's, it's heartbreaking a little bit to me that it's come, become so hard for us to see our proper place in the order that God has set up for us. If husbands can lead the way that Christ has called them to lead with their lives, first and foremost, surrendered to him and lay down their lives for their wives, wives would be more than eager to submit themselves and walk together and help their husbands lead. It's a beautiful thing if it's done properly. But it's been so taken out of context and misused. And I believe that submission is actually a wider Christian virtue that we're all supposed to surrender to. And that it expresses itself differently in different relationships. So it will express itself a little differently in my home with me and my husband than it does in the church when I'm submitted to Andrew's leadership. But it's the same principles. And so I want to break this down a little bit for us today. And it not only applies to those two arenas, it, pl- it applies to the church at large, it applies to government. Paul goes on to talk about government officials, I think Peter does as well. It talks about workplace relationships. So whenever I read about masters and slaves in today's society, I would put that in the workplace. Some of you think, oh, yep, I'm a slave <laughs> in my workplace, right? But um, we can take those principles and apply them to being leaders and workers in the workplace as well. And it applies to our home life and parenting, as you saw kids were included in that scripture as well. And it's only by first submitting to Christ that we'll ever be able to submit to anyone else. It's only by putting that relationship first and foremost, I'm surrendered to Christ. I know what he desires of my life. I know what he wants from me. And then I can serve others. Does that make sense? We gotta get this right. I'm going to be going, following my notes more than ever today because I have so much to say and I want to make sure we get this right. One other point I want to make before we, we go into a few um, lies and deceptions that the enemy has brought about this word submission. I just want to say this. Submission can never, ever be forced because submission is not about control. It's an expression of love. And so just as Jesus willingly laid his life down, no one forced him to do it. He actually went before the Father and he said, if this cup could pass from me, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, I would choose it. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He submitted himself willingly. He surrendered himself willingly to go to the cross. And that's how he's called us to live, to willingly submit and surrender our lives. Men, you can't force your, your wife to submit. I'm smiling. <laughs> you can't force her to submit. That's not your call. 
It's not your call to remind her to submit. It's your call in life to provide a loving environment where she will flourish by submitting to it. And women, it's your responsibility to answer that call. Are you still okay? It's awfully quiet in here. So when we are willing to honor those biblical guidelines, it's gonna bring unimaginable peace into our lives and our marriages. It's gonna reflect Christ to the world and it's gonna bring glory to God. So if we know it's gonna do those things, we know the enemy is after it. And he has been trying to deceive us from actually taking our rightful places. And so today, we're gonna look and tackle four lies that we all generally have believed about submission. And so let's look at the first lie. Lie number one, if I submit, I'm gonna have to agree with everything. Not a chance, come on. It's hard enough to just pick where to go for dinner. Are we ever gonna agree on everything? And you know how this goes, you start dating and you're like, no, you pick where we go, no, you pick where, no, it's okay, you pick, right? And then you get married and the honeymoon is over and, I, and then all of a sudden selfish me comes back and I'm like, no, I want my way, right? I wanna do what I want and how come you never let me? And we start and I, and I remember, um, you know, it wasn't long, a little bit into our marriage, Mark and I had our first really big fight. And uh, I realized really quickly, we didn't know how to fight. Have you ever been there? You're like, all of a sudden you're like, what happened? We were good friends, this was going so well. And all of a sudden you have an, an explosion and it's like, I don't know what just happened. And it's never about anything that really matters. Have you ever noticed that? Our first big fight that lasted for days that I still remember to this day was over a batch of cookies. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I really am, am not a baker because I, I don't measure things. I hate measuring things, I hate it. So I'm like, that looks like a cup and I throw it in, right? So I can't bake, I can cook because cook is all about taste, I can throw in some salt till it tastes good or whatever, I can't bake. I'll admit that, I'm admitting it right here in front of you. 25 years later, I am admitting I can't bake. Thank the good Lord for people like Medina Panessa. Is she here today? Medina. Medina sent cookies to my house. Okay, so my kids work with Medina and I heard that her cookies were the best cookies. And so I was like, can you send some of those cookies to my house? She did, she did. And I, I may or may not have eaten them for breakfast yesterday because they were just that good. I was like, how could a cookie be this good? They were amazing. So thank the good Lord he has put bakers on this earth, but I'm not one of them. And that first batch of cookies that I tried to make for my husband, they burnt but they were only burnt like on the bottom, like brown and crispy on the bottom, but the top was still kind of cakey. And I was so mad, I was so mad because I was like, I ruined them, this is awful, I'm a failure as a wife, I'm never right, that's what's going through my mind. And he's like, they're delicious, and he starts eating them. And I was like, no, they're not, put that down, that's burnt, you can't eat that. And he's like, what are you talking about, they're good. I was like, no, they're not. So that started our first fight, but, but let me tell you this, I'm gonna give you a secret. If you're newly married or you're thinking about getting married, listen close. The fight is never about what you think it is. It's always about something else. Now it wasn't about the fact that I had burnt the cookies, it was about the fact that I felt like a failure. And he was enjoying it. He was enjoying the cookies. 
I just wanted to be a failure and enjoy that moment and have him say, yes, they suck. Why don't you try again? But no, he was enjoying. It was awful for me. But those kind of fights, they always push on a deeper issue deep inside of our hearts. A core longing God has put there and all of a sudden it's being pushed on. It's not necessarily that he doesn't like your outfit, right? <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to keep going here. Lie number one, I don't have to agree with everything. So <laughs> if you can understand that it's not about what you think it's about, but there might be a deeper issue, that's the first step to resolving things. It's the first step to say, just a sec, honey, is there something else going on here? And then she might cry, she might. It, you know, it might turn into something, but I bet you'll have a really good conversation. Good leaders, good husbands, good leaders, I'm gonna use those terms interchangeably today, never feel threatened by the thoughts and opinions of others because they know they aren't always right. A good leader in the home or in the workplace is not gonna feel threatened by what you have to say. They need to hear what you have to say. And if they're a good leader, they're gonna receive it because they know God has put good people around them to help them lead. And so don't be afraid to voice your opinion. We're gonna to get to that in the next one, but I wanna give you a couple of tips, just a couple of tips really quickly for how to resolve conflicts, both big and small. Because as soon as one of those things comes up, in your marriage, in your workplace, where you go, we're at a place where we, we can't pass this, we disagree. And it might not just be about cookies. It might be about how to raise your kids. It might be about a big decision in your job or something that has to do with your calling and how you wanna follow Christ. It might be a big issue. So if we don't agree, how do we resolve this? I hope you're taking notes today. Here's a couple of things that will help us move forward when we disagree. Point number one, take it to God and ask for his perspective. You might not be right. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. You might not be right. Mark and I both came from very argumentative families where everyone thought they were always right. And it was really hard for us to admit when we were wrong. <laughs> I could, I, it took me several years to even say the word. I think I'm wrong, right? I couldn't get it out because I was never wrong. How could I be wrong? Okay, so I learned that I have to sometimes take it to God and say, this is what I think, this is what I see, Am I right? And then listen to what he has to say. Because he'll let you know when you need to let go and, and just listen to somebody else. So first of all, take it to God. Second, submit my thoughts in a way that is respectful and honoring. So I have to learn how to speak to my husband and submit my thoughts to him. So if he says, I really think we need to do this, but I feel so in my heart like God's saying no, I have to be able to submit that to him in a way that's not overly emotional, that's not overly, you know, made up a big thing, but to be able to say, can we talk about this? Because this is what I feel God is saying and we're not coming up with the right conclusion. So what do we need to do? In a way that's honoring, you know, I, I honor you as a leader of our home, I respect you, but we're not seeing eye to eye on this. So we need to talk, we need to have a relationship. And you know what, husbands, can I say this too? When you're, when you, guys have a tendency to just want all the facts. I've got all of the facts. 
we need a new car, ours is broken, we have this much money in the bank, this is a car, it's for sale, this is our next right decision. Facts, boom. Your wife might go something like this, I don't know, I just have a bad feeling about it. Guys are like, what? What do you mean? What, do you mean? what does that even mean? You have a bad feeling? I don't even know. The facts are here. But women have an intuition that's actually very important for men to listen to. Because she may be tapped in or tuned into something, and she may not be even able to put it into words yet, but you need to give her a day or two to think it and talk it out. Because she might have something there. Women have been given an intuition by God, and sometimes it will override the facts. Yes, thank you for that one clap in the back there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Give it some time. This is tip number three. So we had take it to God, submit my thoughts in a respectful way. Give it some time. Learn how to respond, not react. Both Andrew and Mark would say they have seen me in these moments where I get this very perplexed look on my face and I don't say anything. And it's because what I really want to say I know is going to be sharp and hurtful and come out all wrong. And so I've learned to hold my tongue until I get my thoughts together enough that I can respond and not react. Because I can easily go, you idiot, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? That's never going to work. But that's not what I really want to do because that's not going to get anybody anywhere, is it? I need to learn how to just take a breath and go, how can I say this in a way that's honoring? in a way that's respectful for the leaders that have been put around me, but also be able to say what needs to be said. Number four, set healthy boundaries for my own life. I have to follow my own personal convictions first. This even happened this, this week in our home. There was something that the family was doing. It was actually a show. I'll just be honest. It was a show on TV. And, and I watched the first part of it, and I, was, I felt actually really convicted. And I was like, you guys, I, I just got to walk away. It's my personal conviction. I didn't get up and turn it off and say, you all can't watch this. This is awful. We, you know, I just walked away. I just removed myself from it. That was my healthy boundary to go, God's convicting me. If he convicts you, that's great. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. But I walked away from it. Sometimes we need to set healthy boundaries in our life. And tip number four, pray. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the spiritual realm that are trying to destroy your marriage. And sometimes the greatest fight you will ever fight is on your knees in prayer. It's not fair to bring things without having prayed over them and have a fight about them. It's not fair. Pray first. And then you might have to walk into a battle with flesh and blood. That happens sometimes. But if you pray first, you're going to have God's perspective. Is that good? We got some, some good tips there on how to deal with it. Let's go to lie number two. If I submit, lie number two, if I submit, I can't speak up. This presses on our core value that we need to have a voice, that we need to be able to express ourselves in. This is similar to the last one, but it's a little bit different. In 1 Peter, I said I was going to go there a little bit today. Chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Women should clothe themselves instead with beauty that comes from within, an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious to God. And I am afraid that this little portion of Scripture, telling women to have a quiet spirit, has basically told them to be quiet. And I'm not okay with that. Because a gentle and quiet spirit doesn't mean that you never speak up. 
A gentle and quiet spirit means that you speak out of a place where you are rooted and grounded in Christ and you know who you are and you don't have to raise your voice and you don't have to get all upset about it, but you can stand on who God has created you to be and be able to speak into your marriage and speak into your husband's life and speak into the leadership around you because he has given you a voice and he has given you a voice so that you can use it. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, men and women were created and then God said to them together, he didn't give one commission to men and one commission to women. He said to them together, you rule and reign over the earth. We were fashioned and designed to reign together. And we have to remember this. As I said, women have gifts, unique gifts that God has given them to see things that men don't see. And vice versa, men have unique gifts in their life to see things from a perspective women can't necessarily see. And so we need each other, not only to lead in our families, but to lead in the church. And it is a sad, sad thing to me that so many women's voices have been silenced in the church over the years. That's not the way it started. If you look at the book of Acts, it was men and women leading beside each other, leading the charge in the church. And I'm so grateful that here in this house, we believe in that as well. And there's, there's, a, there's I don't know if you've noticed this, but when we're sometimes in worship, if God's speaking to my heart and Andrew's leading, I'll just slide across and I'll submit it to him. I'll say, hey, here's what I feel God's saying to me today. Does that resonate with you? And he's done the same with me. Um, that night at Revival Nights, if any of you were here where we were all on our knees, it was one of the most powerful nights. Andrew came to me and he's like, I'm not sure what to do with this, but God's, I feel like God's saying we should kneel. I'm like, go for it. We submit those things to each other and we're okay with the answer. If Andrew were to say to me, no, I don't think that's for today. Good, I got it, no problem. Uh, it was my responsibility to bring it to you and submit it to you and if not, cool, I'm cool with that. Why? Because I trust God. I don't always trust man. But I trust God and I trust that if he's given me a structure and I work within that structure, he's gonna bless me anyway. That's not my problem. Okay, everybody's good. God, you guys are good. Proverbs 31, 25, 26 says, she is clothed, clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future and when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instruction with kindness. Man, I wanna be that woman. I want to be that woman who only opens my mouth when I've waited to respond and not react, that my words are wise and they give instruction with kindness. I want to be that woman. And we need those kind of women who can lead in our churches today. Someone say something. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I read this this week. Submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her unique gifts. Women, you have a calling on your life too and it isn't to leave your voice at the altar. It's to bring your leadership alongside your husband and lead together in your home and your family. We each have a place, we each have a voice, we each have things that we bring to the table that are unique and we need each other if we're gonna be able to lead well. Let's go on to lie number three. If I submit, I have to sacrifice my personal hopes and dreams. It takes faith sometimes to submit. 
It takes faith to believe that I can trust God, even though I'm not sure if I can trust man. And I'm gonna be honest, I've been hurt by men. In church settings, in leadership settings, when I've submitted myself, I've been hurt sometimes. When Mark and I uh, were dating, we're celebrating 25 years of marriage in about a month or so, and so it's a long time ago, but we both remember this day really, really well because we were dating, we were in Bible school, and um, I knew, I, I felt like God was calling me to minister. And back in those days, <laughs> so, so, so funny that I'm saying that, back in those days, um, women were not necessarily uh, invited into these kinds of positions. I'll just be honest. There wasn't very many of them. Joyce Meyer was a voice that was just emerging in those days. And, um, you know, she was instrumental in, in doing things for women in ministry. So I, anyways, I thought in Bible school that I need to, to marry the best preacher in Bible school if I was going to fulfill the dreams that God had put on my life. I honestly believe that. What a lie the enemy was putting on me. And so I met this guy, Mark, and, and we started dating a little bit, and he was a farmer, and that was really all he wanted to do with his life. And I was kind of like, I'm not sure this is going to work. Because, <laughs> you know, I got these big dreams and these plans for my life, and I just don't see how you fit in. <laughs> and I remember so well, we were, we were in um, the donut diner out in Virgil, the old donut diner there, sitting in the window having this discussion, and I was literally like, like, I'm dumping you, like, because you're not good enough. <laughs> like, I can't even look at him right now. He brings this up. He brings this conversation up a lot. And literally, when I laid out the dreams that God had put on my heart, his eyes lit up and he went, that sounds amazing. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know how to deal with this. Okay, we're not going out anymore. Goodbye. And, and I walked away. But that stuck with me because nothing I ever said scared him. Nothing I ever said made him feel insecure. Nothing I ever said threw him off. He was like, great, let's go for it. We'll run together. I was like, you're a farmer. I don't know, like, do you understand what I'm saying? I'll use slow words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally joking. But from day one, and that's why I went back to him, because God said, you can trust me with the dreams that I've put on your heart. No man is ever gonna stop you from fulfilling the things that I have put on your heart and the calling and the gifts that I have put within you. And if you submit yourself, it's gonna work out. This is what, this is what the scripture says, and I love this. First uh, Peter three says, trust God and accept the, the authority of your husband. Trust God and accept the authority of their, your husband. My trust is not in my husband, it's in God. But because God has asked me to surrender myself and submit to his leadership, I will do that and trust that God will work the rest out, amen. That is good, 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 good. Line number four, I'm sorry, I'm moving as fast as I can and we're almost done here. Ladies, God has put a unique call and gift on your life and no man can ever, ever, Stop what God wants to do. If you are surrendered and you're living your life in a way that pleases and honors God, he will make it happen. Even if you can't see how it will happen in the natural, God's got you. He's going to make it happen. No one's going to stand in your way. Lie number four. If I submit, I will lose my rights and my independence. This is a big one. Because our modern society is all about my rights. 
It's all about what right do I have? And that is so contrary to the kingdom of God. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament law even, and the book of Leviticus, it was all about what was best for everybody, for the community. It was about what was best for the nation of Israel, not the individual person. And that's what we are called to in the kingdom of God, is what's best for the body of Christ? What's best for my entire family? What's best for the people around me as I surrender myself and I submit myself? What's best for everyone? Not what's best for me, not a selfish, what am I gonna get out of this and what are my rights, but what is good for the whole? And sometimes it's hard for us. It's hard for us. And, and you know what? Society has made it hard for us, especially as women, because the women's liberation movement has swung things to this place where we feel like we're supposed to be so independent and so strong, and it's a lie. We need our husbands. We need men in our lives. We need to, we need, <laughs> thank you. We need to work together. We can't allow ourselves to be, to succumb to these lies that are put out around us. But when we do what we read in the very beginning and we submit to each other in the kingdom of God, man, there are rights. You wanna hear some of the rights you have in the kingdom of God? You have the right to a Lord and Savior and eternal life in heaven with him face to face. You have a right to a brand new life that he has laid out for you. You have a right to walk in the gifts and calling that he has put on your life. You have a right to be transformed in the character of Christ and molded and shaped into the person that he intended you to be before sin got a hold of your life and you have a right to walk with authority and preach the gospel with boldness and you have a right to set the captives free you have a right to take authority over the things that are trying to ruin your marriage and your family you have a right to take authority over every demonic force that is at work in your life and the people around you you have a right to lay hands on people and see them healed you have rights but the only reason that you have those rights is because there was a man who gave up all of his rights and surrendered everything to go to the cross and make it possible for you. He surrendered his will to the will of the Father so that you could have those rights. And with all of those rights comes a great responsibility to follow our shepherd's lead and lay down our lives for the good of the people around us. Yes, we have rights, but we only receive them. We only have them and walk in them when we also walk in the responsibility to lay our lives down and surrender to each other. What I've laid out for you today, I know I moved really fast and trying to get it all in. I just feel like I scratched the surface. Man, I had notes and notes and notes on this stuff. And it's everywhere in the Bible. You wanna read about governmental authorities and, and trying to submit yourself under authority that doesn't work, just read the book of Daniel. Man, you can go in the Bible from beginning to end and see all kinds of, of um, structures where people had to serve under ungodly leaders and how that changed their lives and how when they surrendered to God, God did what only he could do in their lives. And so today, I wanna end our service today by praying for our marriages. And I understand that there's people here, your spouse may not be here with you. That's okay. You can pray for them and just stand in proxy for your marriage. 
I know there's people here who are single or not married yet. That's okay, because you can pray for your future marriage. You can pray for your future spouse. You can pray for any arena of your life where you're having trouble with this. And I want to say one last thing for those of you who feel like you're under, under a weight of actually serving someone who doesn't walk the way God wants them to walk. God is pleased when their sin doesn't make you lose your faith. First Peter 2 says that God is pleased when conscious of his will. Jesus was fully surrendered to God and his will for his life. So conscious to God's will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. God has called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is our example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted or threatened. Revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who judges fairly. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. If you are suffering today in any relationship where you feel oppressed, God sees you. And this scripture says he is pleased when you know his will and you continue to just take steps forward and walk it out. It pleases him and he will make it right. He doesn't ask us to submit to a system that's unjust. He wouldn't do that. He's a just God. So when he asks us to submit ourselves to these systems and structures he's put into place, you can trust that they are just and that he will make it right in the end. And whether you ever see it in this life or not, you'll see it on Judgment Day. He will make everything right. I'm going to ask you, if you're here with your spouse today, and you want this kind of marriage that represents Christ to our world and brings glory to God. You know, none of us are perfect. We all have areas where we can improve, but if this is something you want in your home, if this is something you desire for your marriage, I know it may be hard, depending on what you came in here with, but if you would reach out your hand right now and take your spouse's hand, I wanna pray for you. And I believe this can be a really powerful moment for our marriages and our families. I'm gonna invite my husband to come. He's just gonna come and stand in agreement with me in prayer. Can I tell you I'm really grateful for my husband? It's not a lot of men who can let their wife lead the way he lets me lead. And he takes a back seat to everything I do. I wish you could have seen him when we were in Newfoundland at a women's conference and there was a sea of 800 women and he was sitting right dead center front. I wish I had a picture of that, it was awesome. <laughs> but he's so good to just support me in everything that God calls me to do and, and desires to see me flourish in that. Like I said, we're not perfect, but we're trying. So if you wanna slip your hand into your spouse's hand, I just wanna pray a prayer over you and then we can go. Father, this is a holy moment Father, as, as we've heard your word today and we desire to be the kind of women who can submit to our husband's authority and the kind of men who can lead our families and our homes with grace and humility and love, Father, I pray that you would look upon our marriages in this moment and give us the strength that we need to submit ourselves not only to you but to our husbands. 
and to the greater good. Father, we want to see Christ magnified and lifted up in our homes and our marriages. We want to see you shine in our marriages so that they would stand out in a world of darkness. God, we want to be the kind of people who would step forward and say it's not conventional. It's not the way everyone thinks it should be, but it works. And it brings peace and life to everyone in our homes. And so, Father, we stand in this moment for our marriages. We ask for restoration. We ask for healing. We ask for redemption. And we ask, God, that you would make us stronger than we've ever been before. I ask, God, that you would open up conversations today, hard conversations if they need to be. But, Father, I pray you would open them up. I pray that you would give women a voice to speak what they need to say and husbands the humility to hear what they need to hear. And Father, I pray that as we stand on your promises and the things you have said, just like Andrew was saying this morning, that we can thank you and praise you for what's coming down the road in the future as we trust you with our homes and our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.